Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I'm so glad you're here today because we have a phenomenal guest with us, Gershom. Gershom Gersh W. Harkless Jr. is the founder of Blue 16 Media and CB Nation. Blue 16 Media uses media and technology to change lives. These media properties include Blue 16 Marketing, a digital marketing agency providing digital marketing services, including web design, website support, and SEO services. CBN Nation consists of media properties, so blogs, podcasts, and videos helping the business community succeed. Central to Blue 16's marketing philosophy, that is, you are a media company, and that every organization is in the media business and can strategically leverage marketing tools, platforms, and ingredients to reach their goals. Gersh is a proud graduate of Howard University and Georgetown University. He was selected in 2022 as a 50-plus Black marketer on the rise in the influencer and media innovators category. He is also a graduate of the 2020 Leadership Center for Excellence Young Professionals Program in 2016, and he was recognized for being 40 under 40 in Northern Virginia in 2022 and Alexandria in 2020. He has recorded over 1,600 podcast episodes of the I Am CEO podcast and shared the 100 plus business lessons that he has learned from recording the episodes in the I Am CEO handbook, volume three. And thank you so much for being here today, Gershom. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we'll go a little bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. C, I love everything that you're doing and I appreciate the opportunity to kind of be here. And I think my journey really starts when I, uh, start to think about it was probably when I was 10 years old, which sounds like a kind of weird age. But um, at that time, I started what eventually, you know, became a family newspaper. And the reason I started it was because my dad was in the military. And I was 10 years old. That was my my, my buddy, my partner in crime, I guess you can say. And um, he went, um, I think the phrase is TDY or remote for an entire year. And so um, when we took him to the airport, um, he was in the Air Force. I was, you know, boohooing like a baby because I, you know, that was my partner in crime and I was going to miss him. Um, but this was, you know, in a different time before we had Zoom, FaceTime, Skype, all those really cool tools. And um, one of the ways that I wanted to stay connected with my dad was to kind of collate, I guess, a lot of the news and things that were that was kind of going on in our family. So I created um, what became a family newspaper. I, I would put clip art and all the news from a squirrel getting into my grandma's house to um, my a marriage and our family that didn't go according to plan. Just all that um, TMZ type of buzz that uh, we had going on in our family and we would send that as care packages to my dad. And then also um, in entrepreneurial form, I guess I started uh, to, to collect subscriptions and, and sell the subscriptions to family members and, and close family. So when I, I bring all that up, because when I was trying to figure out, you know, what I what do I want to be when I grew up, I really went back to kind of stories like that, selling potato chips on the playground or going to MJ Designs at the time and getting bees to create necklaces and all those things to really understand kind of what made me tick. So when I was trying to figure out really after school, um, after I graduated, uh, what I wanted to be, I said, you know, I don't necessarily need to try to find what I 
what I am and who I am is really just maybe look a little bit differently um, and look in a unique way. So I went back to stories like that. And that's what really kind of led me, I think, on my entrepreneurial journey. So, you know, fast forward a lot of years. Um, I started a digital marketing business called Blue 60 Media, um, and we do like web design and support and SEO services for businesses. And I also have what I call my own media company now, which has transformed a lot from the newspaper into being CB Nation, where we have daily podcasts, blog, video content, all to help like CEOs, entrepreneurs and business owners to succeed. So there's a lot of bumps, bruises, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, you know, throughout that journey. But I think that's what really looking back at that was really set me on the path to kind of go um, down the line. So it's a lot of the things I'm doing now. Yeah, I love it. I love that just the journey, how it really formed from the time you were 10 till now. And it started with the newspaper and subscriptions and now being able to have digital marketing and a media company as well and really merging everything you've learned, all your skill sets to what has exploded till this day. And I'm so curious because marketing is a big part of what you do as well. What is your marketing philosophy? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny you mentioned the part about the the journey part. I think the journey is always beautiful. It, it seems a little bit more beautiful after you get outside of it because I feel like when you're going through it, especially if you're in one of those valleys, it's almost like, uh, you know, uh, when can I get out of this? When will this happen? When will I get to where I want to be? But for me, um, I've been in business for, for, for 10 years with Blue 16 Media and a lot of what we try to do is to build, at least build foundational elements for people's media companies. And, and I have this kind of philosophy and where I call it, you are a media company. And what that basically means is that I compare your marketing to being a lot like you're going to the grocery store to figure out what your favorite dish is. And, and I always use sweet potato pie or pineapple cake. Those are like my two favorites. I just had a birthday, so I had a lot of pineapple cake. So those are always awesome things that I always think about when I, when I do this, but I always envision that people think about, you know, what dish they want to make. And then when you go to the grocery store, you get the ingredients that are essential for that dish. And very much so in the same way, when I talk about, you know, organizations and businesses and even individuals building their own media companies, it's really understanding, you know, who and where you want to be, you know, what your goals are, your aspirations. And then you go to the quote unquote grocery store to figure out what are going to be those ingredients to go into that dish. And I, I think that that could be everything from podcasting to writing a book to, you know, having a blog to creating a website, doing Google ads to doing face to face networking since things are opening up. But all those things are part of ingredients. And I think if we look at it a lot more strategically and we start to even question and, you know, see like what are the pros and cons of each, um, then I think we start to get a better dish per se and a better marketing strategy. And we start to really set ourselves up for the success that we're ultimately hoping to have. Absolutely. And I love your example of the grocery store because it put it in perspective of like, okay, well, what are the ingredients? How do I maneuver through that and being able to be really strategic so you're not wasting your time, but you know the route you want to go. And how can businesses strategically leverage marketing tools and platforms to effectively reach their goals in today's digital landscape? Yeah. And, and I think the landscape, as we know, and 
most landscapes, definitely the digital landscape is, is changing dramatically and changing quickly. And I, I think one of the things that I always try to drill down on, and I think these are never ending, you know, answers to the question, because I think you can learn more and more and more, is to ask like three questions whenever I'm just kind of starting out with somebody. And I touched on one already, which is just like kind of understanding like where you want to be, like what is, what is the goal? You know, what is the goal for your organization? Um, you, you heard that you should write a book. Why are you writing a book? Like what's your ultimate goal? Do you want to do more speaking? Do you want to sell more of your, your products and services, more coaching programs? Um, are you creating a new t-shirt line? Just all these questions are going to basically dictate like some of the ingredients, the strategy that you have. But I think that most people hear that they should put this ingredient into their cart. They don't actually know why they're putting it in their cart. So I think very, you know, at the, at the very, um, initial kind of start of anything and even to just kind of check where you're going, you want to understand exactly um, what your goal is. And probably very close to that is um, understanding who you're trying to target. And there's different phrases and different approaches around who you're targeting. So um, most people hear about an avatar, which is actually, you know, painting the picture of exactly who you want to target. You know, this could be their age, this could be their location. These are things that they're interested in. Um, but I think if we even drill down a little bit further and not just understand like the, the age and all of those things, which is definitely super helpful for things like Facebook ads um, and different ways that you can laser target who you're, you're hoping to serve, I think we can think deeper on like how you're actually serving them, how you're actually making their life better, how you're actually improving whatever problem they have. So I think it's, of course, painting that picture, but I don't think it's painting the picture just for the sake of knowing, okay, this person is, you know, 35 years old, has two and a half kids and, 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 and two dogs. It's to know that they're struggling with time. So I'm creating this product or service so that I can try to cut down on the amount of stress that they have in their life. And when you start to really think about that, it directs your whole marketing strategy, it directs your, you know, your social media posts, the, the, um, the conversations that you're having with them, your email, just all those things take place, but it's really like drilling down on who you're serving and how you can help, you know, to, to support them. And then usually the biggest question that you get, like anytime I sit down and have those marketing conversations is how much is this going to cost? So I think being clear on what exactly the resources are that, that are available to you. And I think often the question is how much does it cost? But I think we often forget that it's not just money, it's also time. So if you're going to DIY and do it yourself, how much time do you have that you're going to be able to dictate to that? And I think these questions are very foundational to me because as the tools, the ingredients, all those things evolve and change, I think if you go back to asking those questions on a regular basis, at least once a quarter to make sure that, hey, this is still the goal, this is still who we're targeting, or we're going to adjust and shift and change. It's going to help you to create that, you know, that, that quote unquote recipe that you need to get to where you want to be. Yeah, I love that. And I was thinking about it too, because so many people, they, it's targeting the right aspect and the right client because everyone says, oh, the client avatar, they're this, they're this age, they have 2.5 kids, the white picket fence, whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> being able to understand too, what is their pain point? And that's what I'm hearing from you and being able to identify that. So you can target in the right direction versus just kind of focusing on that age because everybody's at a different place at every time. So it's really that population of what their pain point is. And I, I love how you outlined it so beautifully too. And why do you think every business is in the media business? Yeah, I definitely, you know, touched on that because I, I think that we can sometimes put marketing into like a box of what exactly, you know, 
is the latest gadget or the latest trend or the latest thing that we're going to use. So whether it is TikTok or now, you know, AI, which is kind of a little bit through everything, uh, we're like, okay, we need to do this. We need to implement this, but we're not really looking at what marketing I think truly is. And I see it in very much the same way as I think you talked about like business, like business at the end of the day, I think you're creating solutions for problems that people have. And I think if we look at business that way, then we start to really understand that marketing to me is basically just getting the information out there to help serve those people that you're trying to, to solve that problem for. And when we start to look at the ingredients, it's not, okay, I need to do TikTok because everybody's doing TikTok because I like dancing and because I know that my audience might like dancing and things like that. It becomes a lot more. It becomes like, how can I um, be the solution to that person's problem? And how can I communicate that so that maybe we can make more impact with more and more people? And when you start to look at it from a media company mindset, I think you start to see that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to do that. And I think that we also get the, um, I think is a gift to be able to say, we can blend together these different ingredients into the recipe that is true to ourselves um, and true to our organization and that no one can do it ultimately like we can because we're um, kind of mixing together what we want to do with our audience and with what our strengths are. And it ends up being really, really, you know, um, tremendous. But I think media, if we look at media, not as, okay, it's the social media or it's traditional media like newspapers or, or um, magazines, but we start to see that these are all kind of ways by which we can communicate with our potential clients and customers, then it helps us to look at it in a different way. So I, that's why I say, whether you know it or not, whether you accept it or not, even if you're doing face-to-face -face networking only, you're still kind of in the media business because you're basically creating content. You just might be speaking it to the person, but you ultimately are creating media. So I think it's just um, transforming the way that we are, you know, looking at what media is, is, is really why I think we're all in the media business. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think too, it goes back to what you said. You're not going on one platform just because, okay, well, I have to be on here or this is what my audience wants me dancing or doing whatever it is. But I think it goes back to understanding your market, but also catering to that in your personality and how that really works for you. Because I was like trying to be on every single media platform. And I'm like, this is too much. It doesn't resonate with me. The things it's, I'm still talking about the same stuff, how I formulate it or transform it's different. And even anybody I've spoken to, it's really targeting into that and what feels right, because that's going to come out through like what you're posting too. It's going to be more authentic and more you, even if it's like dancing and that's maybe what you do versus maybe it's cooking, maybe it's media. Well, everyone's in media, <laughs> but being able to find what works best. And I love how you really focus in on that. And it's the transforming it, transform what works best for you and your platform. And you can multiply that in different platforms that works for you versus trying to like fit into a box. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I, I think I read and I heard, I'm very much so the same way. Is like, I, I always see it like um, a pair of shoes. Like you try the shoes on, you see if they fit, you see if you can walk in them, you see if you can crawl first, then you see if you can walk and then maybe run in them. And if they fit, that's great. If they don't, then you can, you know, trade them in for another pair of shoes. But I think the analogy was around like kind of these media ingredients or even, I've even heard social media sites being as if they're foreign languages and you have to learn the language of each different platform and know the you know the pros and cons how to speak on that language how not to speak on the language and once you start to understand that you realize that 
I guess I'm not the person to be able to speak so many different languages, but if you're that person, you can definitely try, but you realize that you have to adjust and change. It's not going to be the same um, in every single language or every single media uh, platform. Yeah, no, that's very true. I've had to learn the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Trial and error. Um, But even as a digital market expert, what are some of the common challenges that small businesses or businesses in general face when it comes to web design, website support? How can you overcome these challenges? Yeah, I think, you know, I'll definitely reiterate just like kind of going through those those questions is huge because I think once you get a little bit more clarity, then that'll put you in the right direction. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean just executing on the strategy. That could be even hiring the right person. And you start to realize like, this is who I'm looking for. And you can help have that organization, that 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 person, the agency, whatever it is, support where you're ultimately trying to go. So I think, you know, very much so the, the, those questions and making sure you're, you have some clarity, at least to kind of get started on those questions is, is one of the biggest things. But one of the big things, and I'm in the, the Washington, D.C. area that I find, especially for businesses that are trying to show up local, is it is kind of um, shocking to me, the amount of people that don't have Um, their location. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your address specifically. If you have a home-based business, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. If you have a co-working space or a mailing address that you can use, that's great. If you don't, that's fine. But I'm kind of, you know, shocked by the amount of people that don't have their information um, that tells exactly where they are, potentially who they serve. Um, Like talking about like attorneys, for example, that have certain states that they're licensed in, that they can only work in, um, they don't necessarily have that information. So I think it's very important to, um, I don't want to say over-communicate, but again, going back to the, the language analogy, I think for the people that are coming to your site, you really want to let them know exactly what you do, exactly how you do it, exactly where you do it even. And I think that that's something that's skipped over where, because we're so in, in kind of um, engrossed in the work that we do, that we sometimes don't think about it for somebody that doesn't know what we do. And I think that's, you know, online, but I think that's also in a lot of marketing is that people forget about creating that communication and meeting people where they are. Um, some of the vernacular or some of the, the language that we use that people may not know about, like SEO is search engine optimization and helping people to be found online. But if you don't know what that is, when you hear that, when you see that, you're going to be like, oh, that's cool. That's nice that you do that, but I have no <laughs> idea what that is. And you may not say that, but right. it's important for me to be able to you know, over-communicate that so that I can make sure that at the end of the day, you understand what it is and you may become a client, you may not, but at the very least, hopefully I've improved your day. So I think it's just taking those extra steps um, to kind of do that. And then I would say maybe one um, you know, big thing too that I know you're, you, you focus a lot on is, is understanding what are the potential kind of free or maybe low cost ways that you can use to optimize your business. Um, Obviously, you know, chat GPTs of the world and a lot of the AI tools are all the rave and, and people love them or they don't. But I just think that there's tools like Google Search Console, which allows you to link your website to Google. There's so many different tools out there. Um, I call them hacks that you can use to kind of further optimize your website. So make sure that you are aware of what some of those are so that you can lean more into them so that it can you know support what it is that you're ultimately trying to do. Well, that's really helpful too for a lot of people listening of just 
the things that you can start doing immediately and what works best, but getting it out there. Because like you said, a lot of people don't even have like their information out there in a way for people to find them. Like what you mentioned with attorneys, I'm sure doctors, offices and other places too that have their own practice, but aren't out there in a way that can really help elevate their business, but also be able to help more people. Because that's at the end of the day, what it's about, at least what I think. And so, oh, I know you have an amazing podcast. I know you've done over 1600 podcast episodes. What have you learned through that journey of just interviewing all different types of people and what you've been able to create yourself? Yeah, and it's definitely been, you know, awesome to to get to, you know, interview so many people and and I get to what I think the phrase Albert Einstein has this quote is that I can see much see so much further by standing on the shoulders of giants and and each episode I get the opportunity to, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants and I get to adopt all these ideas and things that people are implementing and I think that's one of the the absolute best things um about being a podcast host or even listening to podcasts is you get to to listen to others, you get to try on those shoes, try on those things that they're working on or not working on and see if it fits, see if it works. But if not, it's okay. But I think one of the biggest things I've learned from like being a podcast host is actually the networking opportunity that there is within podcasting. And I think that so many times we see, you know, the interview, we get to see like what the person is saying, but I think there's a tremendous opportunity um, from the behind the scenes and and just being able to connect with the people. I think when you spend 30 minutes to an hour, or if we're talking about Joe Rogan, it might be more and more hours than that, <laughs> where you get the opportunity to build relationships. And I think that when we think about podcast and we think about you know the Joe Rogans of getting the the Spotify deal and and having all these subscribers and things like that and, and don't get me wrong that's definitely a really great benefit but I think it's built being able to build the connections the relationships getting to to connect people things like that 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 isn't talked about nearly enough so when I started my podcast a lot of the reason that I started it was because I was doing a lot of face-to-face -face networking at that time I was on a lot of boards for nonprofits so many different things I was overextended upon. And again, I went back to that story that I talked about earlier of being the kid um, that wanted to just know all the news and things that were going on and, and having that curiosity and, and kind of having that journalistic mindset that I talk about, it took me to saying, okay, I'm involved in all these things. I, I love connecting with people, but can I do this in a way that will fill me up more, maybe allow me to be a little bit more in my um, my superpower, for lack of a better term. And that's where I said, okay, let me try this podcasting. Because at that time, I had a weekly podcast. And I said, well, let me see if I could get it down to a quote unquote system and, and see if I could um, make it maybe make it into a daily podcast. So that's where the IMCEO podcast kind of was birthed from is just this idea of like, hey, can I use my superpower to kind of, you know, connect with people, you know, learn about how they started their business so that I can level up as an entrepreneur and a CEO? Um, can I potentially also, you know, have opportunities for, you know, digital marketing? So we did website audits for people that were on the show. So I just got into the lab per se. And I started mm -hmm. to like say, okay, these are all the things, these are all the ingredients, these are all the considerations that I have. These are all my goals. How can I create a dish that will align with that. And that's really where, you know, the, the podcast came from and why, you know, I was able to do the 1600 episodes. It's just, I, I have that natural curiosity. I, I feel like I, I kind of um, 
structured everything from my superpower. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. So that's, you know, one very long answer of like some of the things that I learned, but if there, I can, you know, go more and more like some of the business lessons I learned, but it's, it's been phenomenal um, to just get the opportunity to hear people's stories. And that's why I love everything you're doing, because I think it's one of the, the, it's a tremendous gift as a host, but I think even just giving that space for people is one of the, the, to me, one of the most beautiful things you can do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I definitely appreciate what you're doing because I think it is go, goes back to connecting people or being able to have a community that's so beautiful and so diverse of just different walks of life and being like, oh, so-and-so knows this person. Let's connect them. Like I'm always thinking that. And I love that you've been able to really just bring so many people there and creating the space that you have created. And I'm because you've accomplished so much. And I want to know though, what is maybe like one or two lessons you've learned from doing the show, talking to so many different people that has been so beneficial for you and your business? Yeah, I am um, I'm very much so a busybody. And I think that uh, we touched on this a little bit, you know, earlier, just about, I have this phrase or this quote that I say often on the, the, the podcast, and it kind of speaks directly to what we talked about with the journey, which is that um, if you run your own race, you can't lose. And that Means, means a lot to me because I think as we listen to, you know, people and their journeys, and I think it's a beautiful thing to realize, you know, that people have different journeys, which is why I love your show. Mm -hmm. um, you see that people got to success and how were they defined it in, in different ways than other people did. Um, but I, I say run your own race because I think that when we talk about our superpowers, we talk about our goals, our aspirations, what we want to accomplish, we listen to all these goal, these ways that people have, you know, reached their success, we start to realize exactly what our race is and we lean more into that. Um, so I think it gives a lot of peace because when you realize your race is your race, you don't feel like you have to look into the other lane and see, hey, that person is doing X, Y, and Z, so I need to do X, Y, and Z. You get to continue to do A, B, and, and, and Z if you want. You get to do whatever it is that you you do that's essential to your race. And I think that that's one of the most freeing things. Um, it's hard because, you, you know, especially if you're starting um, or you're, you're trying to figure out how to pivot or change, you're always kind of looking to, to try to emulate. But I think, again, going back to the shoe analogy is putting those shoes on. It's continuing to run that race, see if you run, see if it fits, and then, and then try to, you know, go with it. Um, and then I think the the other big thing is that I I often say, and I'm, I'm a big, like, kind of, I guess, productivity nerd. Um, so I'm always looking at all these things and, and I call them CEO hacks on the show, which are like apps and books that can make you more effective and efficient. And I think the the biggest thing that I have learned and I try to remind myself is it's not the number of hours in the day, it's, it's often how you leverage them. And I think with all of these tools that we have, um, there's so many different ways you can kind of lean into them to support what it is that you're trying to do. And I think that we there's always a the question of like, is technology in control or are we in control or, or vice versa? But I think if we're able to kind of understand where we're trying to go, and then we try to find the tool or create the tool even um, that can help to support that goal, then I think that can maximize our day so that we aren't um, as I guess overwhelmed and we are ultimately hitting our goals. But those are, you know, just two of the, the, the things that, you know, I think really have resonated with me, but it's, it's been, you know, impactful to kind of learn so much. 
Yeah, no, I can only imagine. I know I learned something from everybody that I get to encounter. So it's always nice to hear just like other people's experiences too. And I love what you talked about the productivity, just where our hours are going, but also knowing like we're in our own lane. We get to create our lane and it might be muddy dirt road, but you build it along the way. You know, that's what I was picturing as you were saying that, because I do think it's hard sometimes where we see all these other people doing all these great things. We're doing great things too, but I don't know if you experienced that or if you've seen that there's like imposter syndrome. People are like, oh, that doesn't exist. Or I, I think it does um, because I've experienced it. But also when you're leveling up, too, because it's something new, it's uncomfortable, but you're able to work through that. I'm curious, have you experienced that in your journey? Yes. And um, I don't think it exists. I know it exists because I too <laughs> haven't experienced it. Um, and and it, it's funny because I think that we often can be really hard on ourselves. And I heard this quote, you know, years and years ago, where it says that sometimes if we were to say some of the things we say to ourselves, if we heard that from one of our friends, we would never have them as our friend, but we can constantly, you know, really beat ourselves up. And we forget about sometimes the wins, which is why it's so important to sometimes just write down the wins that you have, because we can so quickly, especially if you're, you're a type A person like I am, um, where you're going on to the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing, we can forget to celebrate the victories that we have. Have. So I've made it a point to kind of do that. But I think too, you know, going back to what we talked about with the journey, you know, it resonated with me too, when you talked about the mud, because um, that's part of the journey. And, and I think that if we don't kind of accept the totality of the journey, which is the mud, as much as the, the clean is squeaky clean part when we get cleaned off and we go there, we sometimes don't appreciate the squeaky clean part as much if we didn't have the mud. So it's, it's, it's so important to kind of understand that that's not a different part of the journey. That's the whole part of the journey, the, the entire part, the squeaky clean part with the dirty part, all of that goes together. And you sometimes can't experience or know the squeaky clean part until you go to the dirt. And I think that if we don't sometimes kind of reframe that, which I've had to work and still continue to work on myself to kind of understand that failure and, and mistakes and things that don't go well are actually what's needed to succeed, then we'll stop before we get the opportunity to see that squeaky clean part before we have get the opportunity to get to where we want to be. Um, but yeah, that, that imposter syndrome is, is so real. And I think that understanding the full journey, the totality of the journey, that is the good and also the not so good, it will allow us to continue to keep keep going and going and going to be resilient, to go after those things. And if we don't do that, then we're just going to you know, we're, we're, we're robbing ourselves, but we're also robbing the people that can really use the product services podcast or whatever it is that we're ultimately hoping to create. So I think it's, it's so important to keep going and understand that that's just part of the journey. Exactly. There's no blueprint, right? We create the blueprint yes, <laughs> and absolutely. that's part of it. And just even what you're talking about too, because I know you have, I am CEO handbook, the volume three, what are some of the key topics or business lessons covered that have will benefit aspiring entrepreneurs that are on this journey or business owners too? Yeah, absolutely. So going through one of the things that I did is we're repurposing episodes this year because we hit 1600 episodes. So I actually created some space and this is going to be, you know, one of the things is just create space so that it allows you to really kind of lean more into finding new solutions. And I think that me, even with the podcast, I was going, 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 I was kind of like a, you know, I don't want to say uh, um, in the, in the um, hamster wheel, but, you know, just having the doing that many episodes, you get through a certain flow. Um, so what I kind of took upon myself is to kind of do is disrupt that flow. And, and so I created 
and found, you know, by going through all the podcasts, all the, you know, show notes, the the hacks and the nuggets that people shared is I call them 16 kind of business pillars. And one of the, the big things is exactly what I'm talking about, which we don't necessarily do is I think once you especially have a level of success or get into a certain flow, we talked about a little bit about disruption and, and changing things and pivoting. A lot of times we forget that we have to create some space in order for that to happen. And, and that could be, you know, pausing, you know, just from the day-to-day activities that we've done. It could be a week away. It could be, you know, you even just doing that on a daily basis of just taking that time to say, this is my morning and I'm going to spend the first hour of my morning um, just thinking, brainstorming, meditating, praying, whatever it might be, creating that space for that to happen is going to be so huge. So um, I don't want to you know, minimize that impactful nature of being able to kind of create space. And then I think one of the other things that I think really uh, stuck with me is I'm a huge like sports fan. So um, during the pandemic, um, a lot of people watched The Last Dance. And that was uh, one of my favorite shows talked about Michael Jordan and, and just all of those things. And, and he's, he had this quote where he says, um, there's no I in team, but there's an I in win. And I took that as um, being one of the, the business pillars is that there's an I in win. And what I mean by that is different than what he meant. But I think it's, it's, the phrase that we forget and we forget about, which is filling your own cup, putting on your own oxygen mask. Self-care is something that came out a lot during the pandemic where we're so many times, especially entrepreneurial people are so much pouring into other people. They're giving so much of themselves that they forget um, exactly what it is and why they're doing the things that they do and what they're doing. So I, I say that to say that, you know, you want to make sure that you remember that there is an I and win. And for the sake of your audience, for the sake of your team members, for the sake of yourself, your family, whatever, whoever's in your life, you want to make sure that you do fill up your cup because that allows you that opportunity to give more and more and more towards other people. And, and I think when you're able to kind of understand at least those two things, you know, it, it really sets you on a different trajectory because, I think you get to lead in a, in a in a different way because you know that you have you know given so much and you, you also know you know how to pause and and give those pivots and those changes on a daily basis or even you know on a on a yearly basis. Yeah, absolutely. Everything you said there, I was just like yes and yes because part <laughs> of my tagline is putting yourself at the top of the priority list and being a former therapist and just ah. in giving and service and everything along those lines i think too entrepreneurs just like you said business owners you're giving so much of yourself and it's so crucial to have that time and space i think every day but it i think there's a lot of misconceptions of what self care is it's have to go away for a week or a spa or like this or that or a bath and it's it's also setting those boundaries it's also taking care of yourself and knowing okay this is my sacred time Nobody can bother me in this five minutes, even if that's all you have, it's still being able to create that because it is going to impact you and compound if you don't do something about it. So I'm so glad we're talking about that. And what are some of the things that you personally do when it comes to your well-being, making sure that you're taking care of yourself with everything you have going on? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. It's so important when I talked about it. And one of the things that came up during the podcast, I think it made me lean more, even more into it was my my morning routine. And I think um, realizing that your morning routine sometimes doesn't start that morning, it starts the day before. Um, So sometimes the night before, like you just kind of planning and knowing the things that you're going to do. But for me, I would say, 
say, um, I echo exactly what you say is like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hundred million hour bazillion times. You don't have to go and fly on a plane to go to this far out, you know, um, I guess, retreat in nature to be able to have that self-care. You can do that in very little. So for me, I, you know, I wake up, you know, fairly early. Um, and then, and then I, I get up, I, I basically, you know, read my Bible. I, you know, do all the things that I need to do as far as like brushing my teeth, doing all those things. And then I take my dog out. Um, and then I usually go from there and then just come back and get everything that I need to kind of get started. So I have my, my protein shake. I have um, my tea. And usually I have a, a huge uh, overly uh, sized gallon of water that I usually try to drink within the day. So I usually do all of those things just to kind of get me you know, started. But I think that being able to kind of check in and have that time, even if it sometimes gets wacky or doesn't go according to plan, it, it's big that I have at least some things that are part of that that helps out before you know, I meet with my wife and I take my son to school, just all those things come after the fact. But I try to get a little bit of time before it gets a little bit too noisy in life. And that's been huge. But I, I you know, I go to the gym regularly, like two to three times a week. I am a huge Epsom salt bath person so that my body can recover. Um, so I'm definitely that person. And, and I will say this, like I actually am still working on, I don't sleep as well generally. So I'm. it's why it's so important for me to kind of, you know, take care of those things so that I can like have those spaces. And I know that people are saying, you know, people might say, hey, you need to get, you know, 8.5, you know, hours of sleep and, you know, things like that. And I think that one of the big things that I've learned is that it doesn't necessarily have to be the same for everybody. You want to make sure that you're getting your rest. You just might have to do it in a different way. So that's been, you know, what I've been doing and, and that's what's kind of worked for me. I appreciate you sharing that too. And it's so important that we realize everybody is different. There's not a one way. And I keep saying that because I, I do truly believe that. And like what you said with the sleep, sleep is important, but some people need 8.5 hours. Some people need five. Some people, mm -hmm. the way they're resting, because our bodies are going in our minds, especially as entrepreneurs. Like, I don't know if you experience this, but my mind's always going and I'm very type A too. So I could resonate with that. <laughs> but I think that's part of it. It's understanding how we can integrate everything and where it makes Makes sense and being flexible with routine because when we have those things that we can look forward to or we're planning ahead it makes things a little bit more seamless does it work out that way probably not not always <laughs> life happens but we have to learn how to navigate it and i'm so curious because i know you have a son and a wife what has that been like integrating life and work and everything else that you do yeah, so um, I'm 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 about a year into you know getting married and having a stepson now, so it's all you know new for me. The last year has just been crazy, just in terms of you know moving and you know getting married, being engaged. So just it's it's been a it's been a a, a race. It's been a run. It's been a marathon, definitely. And I think that one of the things that I tried to do for myself is repeat all the things that I'm talking about now. Like I, I literally have it. If you're watching, you know, I have things written down everywhere. And I think the biggest thing is just, and, and you heard this a lot. Like I, I told myself a lot during the pandemic of giving myself grace. And I think that's one of the things that, that I kind of understood over and over again. I really am type A. So I want most things done yesterday in terms of, hey, I, I just started this program, this plan. So I want the results that I want to have yesterday. <laughs> so I, I completely get it. And but I, I think me understanding a lot more about the journey and realizing that the people that I've seen that are quote unquote successful haven't done it over one day. And I think the quote is secret to the overnight success is it takes 10 or 15 years. And so when all these changes were happening in, in my life and in our lives, really, 
I, I try to remind myself of the journey and try to remind myself of just those wins that I had. So if there's a day that I overslept, then it's okay. Give myself grace. If there's a day that I forgot to give him his his cereal, um, which I did this morning, actually, that I went upstairs and took a shower and I was like, oh, I forgot. I had a, I had a brain fart. So just things like that, just giving yourself grace and, and understanding that how far that we've come from, you know, just getting the keys and, and turning the door. And I think that that's helped out a lot. It has not been a straight path at all. But I think that we continue to kind of see the progression. You continue to kind of see how things have improved. And I think that that's something I have to work on myself to remind myself, but it's definitely helped me to, to kind of cherish the present, but also understand how far we've come. No, all of that is really important. And I think it's trusting the journey, but also allowing room for flexibility in that and knowing the biggest point you put is grace, having grace for yourself, having compassion towards yourself. Because when you talked about it earlier, you what half the things we say to ourselves that are not what we should be saying to ourselves are we would never say to our best friend, we would never say to somebody who we love or care about. So it's really just taking that step back and recognizing when we give ourselves that space to realize that we're not perfect and we're never going to be but it's perfect in the imperfections. And so I know you were recognized for 40 under 40 in Northern Virginia. I would love to know if there's some tips you can provide young professionals looking to make an impact in their communities. Yeah, I think that it really goes back to what I talked about, about running your own race. I, I think what you don't know, nobody sees is like you see, I did get 40 and 40. I'm definitely, you know, blessed and honored to, to have gotten, you know, that, that recognition, but you don't see how many times I apply to that. And and what you don't realize is that I applied, I think, for that one, maybe three or four times prior to that. Um, and then I finally got in. And, and I love kind of talking about that. You don't love it in the journey because you're like, man, I wanted to be it this year. But you start to realize that a lot of times people reach that success because they tried over and over again. They've been very resilient. So that's the first thing I would say is that make sure that, you know, you're, you're being resilient, that um, you understand that if it doesn't necessarily go your way, things aren't happening to you, they're happening for you. So they might be giving you an opportunity to improve your resume. It might be giving you an opportunity to maybe connect with somebody that is going to help you to get to where you want to be. And, and just all of those things. So really try to, you know, understand that, again, things are happening for you and it's putting you in that best light and that best opportunity to succeed. Um, I, I think the the other thing which I kind of touched on is, is just when I got the first or so rejection, I was like, you know, kind of bummed and like, hey, I, I really wanted to get this. But what I started to realize is, you know, hey, if you run your own race, you can't lose. And so instead of me saying, okay, this person did X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C, let me try to emulate, be part of their same organization, maybe try to get on that board. I started to say that, hey, you know, what I really understand is that in order for me to break through the noise, I can only break through the noise if I'm staying true to myself. So when you are thinking, especially as a young professional, trying to get any you know accolades or recognition or applying for anything, or just trying to be yourself and try to understand like what your journey in race is, don't be afraid to first and foremost, like try different things, but also to know that if you're able to make an impact in the community in a unique and different way, that's just gonna help you to, to kind of break through the noise. Like one of the things that I did was I decided to, um, because I was on the boards, in addition to starting the podcast, I also started to donate services to nonprofit organizations. So instead of me trying to be on all these boards, what I realized is that a lot of times they just wanted me to be in the room so that I could help, you know, support with certain things. So I said, hey, why don't we just try to donate those things? And, and you know, I wasn't in the room like when those selections happened, but I always just think that I... I 
I really appreciate that instead of trying to like lean in to do what everybody else did, I just said that, hey, why don't I try to create something new? Why don't I create, you know, this life and that I and design this life? You know, as, as I know that you, you you echo, it's so important for me to kind of lean into, you know, who I am, figure out where I want to be and then um, figure out how I can execute and make that happen. I love that. And I, I think it goes back to understanding what you can do in that moment. And I love that you mentioned you had applied for it more than one time and realizing sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get to where you are, but it's happening for you. And we don't realize that in the moment we're upset or frustrated or depending on what it is, of course. But I think it goes back to understanding there's a reason things are happening. And people always say, I hate when people say I there's a, um, what is it? It's escaping me at the moment, but everything happens for a reason. And yeah. I think it does, but I think there's a bigger reason because there's something else that's standing in the way that needs to be worked through. So you can receive what you're about to get as well. And that's what allows it to, you work a little bit harder in a different way. So it makes it more open to receiving that. And I think that's a big part of it. So I love what you've been able to accomplish and not giving up. And now you have that under your belt. <laughs> and so with everything that you have learned through this journey, what would you say are some of the best tools that you've used to build your podcast, the, uh, the handbook, every, all your services, everything you do? Hands down, I would say probably the two biggest things that have helped me, especially with a podcast, like, you know, creating a daily podcast and doing that is, is no, you know, small feat. I, of course, have a team, so I don't want to, you know, zoom past the fact that it's not just me, you know, editing the podcast, creating show notes and things like that. That's been super helpful. But I would say from like a very, um, maybe uh, the hack standpoint, like tools that you can implement. First of all, my scheduler, I use Acuity. Acuity Scheduling, which is now owned by Squarespace. That's been huge for me, but I know a lot of people use Calendly. That's another big and popular one. What that does, especially if you have guests that are, um, or even people, if you're having meetings with people from different time zones, I'm terrible at figuring out what time zone they are. And when they're not, I always end up an hour late or hour early <laughs> for whatever meeting I was supposed to be at. So mm -hmm. that link just allows you to, to, to have the person click. It goes directly on your um, calendar. It goes directly on their calendar and you guys can both meet. Um, so you can automate a lot of the things within that. Um, I have it set up to you know connect with my newsletter and all these different things. So it's very, very cool. Has been a huge, huge, huge time saver. The other big thing is really big into using Basecamp. So other forms of Basecamp are Asana, there's ClickUp, there's a lot of different tools that you can use. It's basically a project management software. So what has helped, especially from a digital marketing standpoint, is any project that we work on gets its own base camp and basically its own project. So everybody who's on the team has access to it. We all communicate directly through there. What that has done is it allowed me not to get caught in every, doing everything. Everything doesn't go through my email. Everything is in base camp as much as possible. And what that really has opened up is for one, things aren't in my head because like I mentioned about the whole scheduling, sometimes that goes well, most of the time it doesn't. But I think too, it allows me to know that, okay, I think I talked with X, Y, talked with this person about X, Y, and Z, but I can't remember if it's two years, if it's three years, if it's yesterday, I can go back and see a lot of that communication. So it doesn't necessarily mean that I you know, know about all the things, but I know where to find all the things, which I think has been extremely freeing and, and powerful for me. So if I could pick you know, those two things, well, maybe three things, including the team that has been huge for me to, to kind of continue to keep, you know, hopefully, you know, rocking and rolling. 
Yeah, no, that, that's big. I definitely need a team working on that one, but being <laughs> able to just help and also have things organized because you're right. When you're dealing with so many different time zones, it can be so confusing of, well, trying to figure it out. And it's like, here's the calendar, figure it out yourself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it just makes it a little bit easier, but I love that you are in the digital marketing space. And I would love for you to just share one or two client success stories with us to see the w- amazing work that you are doing. Yeah. So my best clients are, I say, people that know enough to be dangerous and often have had a less than ideal experience with digital marketing. And this is a lot of times where I like to connect with a lot of other marketers is because I'm very much so, I try to approach things from an abundance mindset where I feel like there's more than enough opportunity to kind of serve in different ways. As digital marketing has grown tremendously, I've been in business for 10 years, so it's way different than what it was 10 years ago. And some might argue 10 minutes ago, it's way different. So one of my best referrals I actually had from somebody who was on my show, um, who also is a fellow podcaster, Liz Teresa, she introduced me to a plumber that was in uh, Massachusetts. And this plumber hadn't, they hadn't had a really great experience with digital marketing because, and it really was the SEO piece, which if you're super familiar with SEO, all it stands for is search engine optimization, help you to rank when people are searching for you online. There's good and bad ways that you can do that. But for clients, sometimes it's hard to get a handle on what exactly a a SEO or an agency is doing. So we try to pride ourselves on being and communicating, providing reports, providing, you know, meetings, just any of those things to try to help, you know, alleviate any of that to make it a lot more tangible and have a greater experience. But that has been my client for the last, you know, four or five years, largely because we've been able to kind of continue to, to, to help improve. But I think what really stuck with me and why I consider it more of a success story than other is because she had a bad experience. And often when people have a bad experience, they don't want anything to do with it. Just imagine it being like a bad breakup. Once you, you know, have a bad breakup, you don't want to date again. You know, you know, it's just not a great experience. So I think getting that opportunity and being able to kind of understand that it it was a frustration over not getting the results that she wanted. The, The person did a lot of, you know, they call it black hat practices, which are not, you know, ethical practices within the SEO world. So it kind of put her behind the eight ball, but we were able to kind of help clean that up, um, help improve her rankings and and, and help her to help her and, and the, the whole team to get more opportunities. So that's been probably one of my success stories that I really kind of hang my hat on is because it's not sometimes, of course, you want to have the success, but sometimes I think it's just being able to kind of have that connection in that relationship and being trusted and, and knowing that you're a person of integrity that I feel like isn't done a lot in my industry. So um, that's been huge for me. And it's something that, you know, hopefully, you know, continue to have more and more of those, you know, stories that you could kind of share. I appreciate that too, because I think a lot of people do have a bad experience with digital marketing because of just different situations. But I love that you were able to turn it around for her and give her a new perspective on it, but also be able to help her and get her where she wanted to be. And it goes back to integrity just knowing you're doing the right thing. There is no black market or anything or anything along those lines. But, you know, I know you mentioned too, it's you've been in the industry for 10 years plus, and you said it could change in 10 minutes. And I'm curious, (laughs) what do you think are the future trends or innovations that you see in the digital marketing space and media industry? Yeah, I think the biggest I touched on a little bit was this thing called ChatGPT, which everybody might be even freaking out or, or loving. I think that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity from AI in general. I think what I'm starting to see is that a lot of 
first of all, I think a lot of times we don't realize that we've already been using AI to some form, shape, or fashion. I, I think the, one of the videos I was actually looking at yesterday was saying, if you've ever sat down and watched Netflix and you watch something and it says, hey, you just finished this, do you, do you think you would consider X, Y, and Z watching these other shows? That's AI. So I think one of the things that we're going to see, and you know, I'm very, I'm an optimistic person as most entrepreneurial people are. I think that it's going to be used as a way that can kind of help support the things that we're doing. I think it's obviously going to disrupt a lot of things and disrupt a lot of, you know, people, especially in my industry, but I think it provides a lot of opportunity if you're aware of the tools, but also how to use the tools. And I think that's the difference. It's like, there's going to be, and there is already a lot of different AI tools that are popping up left and right. They can literally help you to do anything. But I think what is going to be the biggest opportunity for marketers, and I think it's already been moving that way, you know, for a while is being able to kind of understand not just how to do A and B, but how A and B can help you to do G and G can help you to do Z. And I think that's where the marketer comes in. You get A and B, but how does B get to G? I think that's where the marketer is going to come in by being able to kind of understand and strategize is being able to understand, like I talked about those three questions, where are you trying to go? Oh, did you know that there's a tool that can help you do that? But this is how you use it. And oh, you may also be able to use it for this way. So I think that's the, the really big you know, opportunity. I think that we're still going to see a lot of, you know, need for content, video content, of course, has been rising. It's going to continue to rise because I think it just touches on those different senses. And I think that as we start to see like the AI, you know, generators and, and, and blog posts and things being generated, I think people are going to crave more and more of the individual. And I think by being able to have like a video interview, for example, we know right now that there's no AI here. You know, I'm here, <laughs> you're here. This is the time this is being recorded. So I think that that's going to be something that's going to be I think even more valued and even more powerful. I think it's just like, how can you take these tools and maybe create more and more people to draw people to it? So it's just like, not so much the, the sanctity of the human connection, but yeah. like how it can be amplified is I think what's going to happen in many different ways. So it's exciting, scary time at the same time. I think that there's, there'll be loads of opportunity. I think you're right. And, you know, there's nothing that beats video and having that human connection. And that's something AI can't create because it, we're human. We have different ways of life and what we're saying, how we're saying it. And also it's just the connection, being able to do that. And I love what you said, too, because I do think AI can be really beneficial in so many ways. And some people are really terrified of it. But it's been around like Netflix. I, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like I knew that, yeah. but I didn't. <laughs> Give <laughs> right. me a second. But what would you say just to leave everybody with something that really is beneficial for them when it comes to this journey of entrepreneurship that has been so beneficial for you? Maybe your top tip or two. I know you've given a lot of tips, a lot of insight, but something that you can leave us with today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I would say probably one of the biggest things that I, I kind of touched on is, but I, I kind of want to maybe frame it in a different way is this idea of failure. Um, I have what's, you know, beside me, I have, a, I call it a fail wall. Um, you might be able to see it on a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. aside, beside me. It's a, it's a bunch of quotes around, you know, failure, uh, what it means to fail. And the story behind that is that I have dry erase paint in this room. So I was taking the paintbrush and I was, you know, painting, putting dry erase paint so I can write everywhere because I love writing everywhere. The problem was that I was getting towards the end of the paint can and I said, hey, you know, let me just use the rest. So I started to use the rest and it turned the wall yellow. <laughs> and um, part of the wall over there is yellow. 
I call it, and I'll, I'll turn it over. Yeah. Um, I call it a fail wall because I have like all these quotes around failure. So I say all that to say, and one of the quotes I have is around a baby and how you teach a baby to walk. And when a baby falls down, you don't you know, kick a baby, scream at a baby and say, hey, walking is not for you. This walking thing, you need to, you know, cut it short. But so often we will do that to ourselves. So I say that to say that when you think of failure, sometimes there might be really beautiful things that come out of these opportunities. For me, every time I come in this room, I see that fail. And it's a reminder of me that failure is not final. Failure is part of the journey that no one yells at the baby and say, hey, this isn't your thing. So for anybody that's going on that journey or thinking about going on on that journey. Um, just as we talked about, like it's it's messy. It could be messy, but if you continue to persevere, you have that resilience to go through those things. It could be a really beautiful thing. And a lot of times when you look at those things, like for example, I, I tore my Achilles when I started my blog. Um, those things that really are pivotal um, sometimes can be really beautiful because they put you on the path where you're ultimately supposed to be. But it's only if you have that perspective and you remind yourself of that. So that's the thing I would say, you know, failure is not final. It's definitely part of the journey is one of the, the big things that I would, you know, leave everybody with. It's an absolute that there is going to be failure, <laughs> but yes. I think it's just the perspective, how you look at it, just like what we were talking about earlier, things are happening for us, not to us and really understanding that concept when we are on this journey, because it's never just a straight road. It's very linear, moving around all over, swirling everything in between, but where can people find you, use your services, find your podcast. We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too. Yeah, absolutely. So I truly appreciate that, Dr. C. Um, you can definitely find me. The probably the easiest place is if you go to imgresh.com. That's I-A-M-G-R-E-S-H.com. That has links to the podcast, had links to Blue 16 Media, where we do the marketing. Um, also has some of the, the top lessons, those 16 pillars that I learned from being on the podcast. That's a free downloadable and an ebook you can check out. That's where you can, you know, kind of be a one-stop shop to everything and connect with me on social too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, just sharing your amazing energy, your insights, everything that you've been able to accomplish, but how you're really just giving back so much when it comes to the podcast, your book, but also just digital marketing too, and putting another perspective on it to really show how it can be so beneficial to get yourself out there. But also that means you get to help more people just like you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on today. Appreciate you, Dr. C. Absolutely. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was your biggest takeaway today? I'm sure Grisham would love to see it and we'll see you on the next episode.